You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 160, Job for a Cowboy. Hosted by Dan Terry. All right, bitch. And Joseph Wren. I mean, dude, we're talking about Job for a Fucking Cowboy. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think rodeo clowns are a driving hazard, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. You know, it's one of those beating around the bush bands. Everybody's like, when are you guys going to talk about Job for a Cowboy? Well, we're going to do that like right now. I'm pretty sure the comment was, when are you guys going to talk about knee fucking deep? And the answer is, well, I saw that SpongeBob SquarePants video mashup thing, and I don't even like yeah. SpongeBob. I thought, I thought, wait, knee deep, isn't that a song by the SpongeBob band? <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, though, I mean, you, you pretty much have to be completely blind and deaf and apathetic to have not heard of Job for a Cowboy if you listen to this show. Um, Job for a Cowboy is one of those bands that I, I want to say kind of got popular on a hype train. They're one of the earliest successes of the MySpace era, you know, where you put some songs on MySpace and then you wake up the next morning and you have thousands of fans. Uh, that's pretty much what happened with uh, Job for a Cowboy and their EP, Doom, which uh, for this band, you know, normally I don't like to talk about EPs on the show, but, you know, in this case, Doom was a very, very important EP in this whole um, deathcore underground, you know, kind of scene. So uh, it, it deserves some special mention just because of that, even though Doom doesn't really, spoilers, represent what this band sounds like on their albums <laughs> let's get into it dude let's talk about doom a little bit i know it's not what the band is really known for or what they would really sound like eventually but it's important when you look at the history of this band and like you said the myspace or the social media aspect it was one of the first times that a band literally became successful because they just put their shit online for free Right, totally. And, you know, they, I don't think they gave Doom away for free, but yeah, they put their, they put some songs up on MySpace and, um, you know, they, they just, before I, before I knew it, suddenly all these people at the mall and at Hot Topics were suddenly what they called technical death metal fans, <laughs> which, you know, kind of threw me for a loop because whenever you tell me technical death metal, I'm thinking, oh, so like Obscura or, you know, Gorguts. You're or, thinking you of fucking crutch, dude. Admit it. Yeah, Death, Crunch, <laughs> uh, you know, Cynic, bands like that. Uh, so, And that's not really what Job for a Cowboy is. It's it's the same reason why, you know, people call New Metal Metal. It's the same reason why people call anything with Screaming in it Screamo or anything with Screaming in it Death Metal. Um, people just didn't know what to call it, you know. And uh, the correct term that I would probably apply to this EP would be Deathcore. And that's mostly attributed to the fact that the band uses a particular vocal style that we always like to refer to as, you know, the brie, 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 or the, uh, the pig squeal. Um, Mashed Potato Mouth does not necessarily make a return, but he definitely makes a guest appearance. It's like uh, it's like Mashed Potato Mouth with a side of pork, like that's still alive, uncooked. It's as raw as you can get. <laughs> Fuck, um, dude. <laughs> I mean, it really, it really is. Um, it, you know, this is one of those records that, for all intents and purposes, I should hate it because... It, it made people call deathcore death metal. And um, so I should hate it, you know, being a little bit like of a genre um, enforcer. And um, 
you, this isn't really deathcore either, though. So, I mean, I think I think you can, for the most part, get away with calling Doom a death metal EP in that their arrangements, like like if you pull up a if you pull up a deathcore band like uh, Impending Doom or uh, Whitechapel, it, it doesn't sound like this. There's there's a lot more intricate riffing going on on this little EP than you're gonna get from your stock deathcore band today. You know, they didn't they didn't have an over reliance on breakdowns, you know, open note, chugga chugga. Like they, they did really switch it up quite a bit on Doom. And um, it introduced a, a whole group of people to a style of music that maybe they weren't paying attention to. You know, I'm not gonna say that Job for a Cowboy was the first band to ever sound like this, but they were the first band to sound like this that a lot of people had heard. And that's what's important. I need to clarify what I said earlier. I meant this was the first time people started to pay attention to an underground style of metal because it was essentially freely available. Right, yeah. So, like, a lot of these people heard those songs on MySpace. I mean, they, they created their MySpace profile in 2004. So that that's pretty early uh, in that era. And they immediately started getting worldwide fans. And before they knew it, they were pretty much like, they were pretty much the go-to band for this style. Like they, they kind of, I don't want to say that it was like overnight success because it wasn't really that. Like they definitely built what they had, but um, I mean, their their traffic to their MySpace profile was like insane by the time you got to like 2005, and that's whenever they recorded and released Doom, and were basically immediately signed. <laughs> it was becoming the measuring stick overnight. It's kind of like the first time we heard Tony Danza to Electric Boogaloo. That all of a sudden became the measuring stick of this is insane, out of control, and true chaotic, but it's entertaining at the same time. This was what it sounds like when a punk band just goes to the fucking extreme. And I know I said punk, because you have to have that kind of mentality to decide, I'm going to do these vocals, guys. And I'm not doing it any justice at all, but you get the point. Yeah, and it's this is notable, too, in the sense that the band got very popular for sounding like this. Like, people like the pig squeals, and it definitely, like, kicked off a trend in hardcore and death metal uh, that went on for a number of years. There aren't as many bands doing it now, but I mean, I remember after this EP came out, like in 2005 through about 2008, you know, the tons and tons and tons of bands were trying to do these Brie Brie inhaled vocals. And uh, I thought they sounded cool. I still think they sound cool. Um, but it does seem like most musicians who employ that vocal style will eventually drop it in favor of something a little bit more um, uh, acceptable, I guess. Like, I don't know if maybe they feel stupid doing it. I do know that if you don't do them correctly, that they can actually cause irreversible damage to your vocal cords because that's just not how our vocal cords are supposed to work. Um, but again, you know, like Joe said, you have to be a little bit punk rock about it and be like, I don't care if it destroys my voice forever. I'm going to do it now on my EP that came out in 2005 called Doom. And that's just the way that it is. And for the most part, it's basically a joke now. We talk about enunciation and being able to understand what the vocalist is saying. And this is the 
prime example of, no, I can't understand half the shit he's saying, and I don't care because it's different enough that it becomes entertaining because somebody had to sit down and do it the first time. I know Job for a Cowboy didn't do it first, but it's the first one I noticed. It's the first one most people noticed. And whether or not it's fair to say they became the measuring stick, that is what they became. Everything after this, if it was Brie Brie, it was, yeah, but is it as heavy as Knee Deep? Which we're going to get into very shortly. Yeah, so, you know, one of the reasons this band got super popular as well was because, you know, again, this is early days. So YouTube launches in 2005, I believe. Um, it's hard to believe we've had YouTube for 15 years because I it's hard for me to imagine a world without it. Uh, but, you know... Early on, early YouTube videos were just whatever you could come up with that you thought was funny. So somebody cut an episode of Sco of SpongeBob SquarePants and where SpongeBob was on stage with his band performing. <laughs> and of course, somebody thought that it would be a hilarious idea to take Knee Deep by Job for a Cowboy and have that be the song that the SpongeBob band was playing. And uh, for, for that early of a YouTube video, it actually... They, they synced up the vocals really well with Spongebob's mouth movements. Um, and so it's it's still to this day something that I will put on for a chuckle. But it also helped me realize how good Job for a Cowboy was and how much more complicated and technical their music really was in comparison to a lot of the deathcore bands that came later. And uh, I use the word deathcore lightly because it's there, there's some deathcore in here. But really, it's more in the vocals. If you if you were listening to this instrumentally, you would think this is probably a death metal band with some core influences. So that's my that that's my uh, you know elitist metal fan view of it. You know, it's post industrial agro core with a few light emo influences. Uh, you know, but yeah, this is this is basically some dudes got together and wanted to write some serious death metal, and this is what they came up with. So yeah, Doom's pretty cool in my book, looking back on it. There was definitely a time where I was too cool to listen to it, um, but you know, I'm uh, in my 30s and have four kids, so I'm not cool, so I like it. Well, before Dan calls the doctor and asks him about the Black Discharge, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify! Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. I mean, what is there to say at this point? Five-star reviews are fantastic. I love reading them. I love reading them on the show. Keep them coming, guys. We've got so many of them on iTunes at this point, it's hard for me to even keep keep them straight anymore. Uh, but if, there, if, if you have ever left a review and we didn't read it, please let me know, and we will rectify that situation as quickly as we can. Um, but the other thing, too, is sharing the episodes. You guys have been sharing the episodes, and I think that is awesome. Because uh, some people may not know about this podcast that are on your friends list that might like it. And you guys have taken up the torch of uh, promoting that for us. And it's been amazing to see you guys doing that. So I really, really, really appreciate it. We did a Pantera episode. We did? With Josh Toomey of the Talk To Me podcast. 
I do remember that. I'm kidding. It was like last week. <laughs> uh, that was a that was a ton of fun. I uh, we we got some feed. We definitely got some feedback on that one. Um, because it, for anybody that may be tuning in for the very first time, um, you know, some of you diehard job for a cowboy fans that ended up getting tagged on Instagram that we had this show up. So we, we did an episode on Pantera um, a very long time ago. Uh, was that in 2017, Joe, or 2018? It had to be 2018 because the podcast had been going for a while, but it was in the early days and it was a joke. Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing where we basically just bagged, and and by we, I mean me, uh, just bagged <laughs> on Pantera relentlessly. It was we us bagging people, on you, basically. Yeah, we had people uh, come on to defend uh, the legacy of Pantera. And, uh, you know, it was it was funny then, and we did it, and, you know, uh, but we decided, you know, after a while uh, that, you know, we wanted to have more serious retrospectives on some of these bands. So uh, with Pantera, especially, we felt like they needed, you know, their own actual episode where we go through each record objectively and talk about them. So we did that, and uh, we got some feedback from you guys. Over on Facebook, Matteo Rabeshi says, hell yeah, it finally happened. Dan Tara talking about Pantera. Been waiting two <laughs> years for this. You're not the only one, man. Uh, this this was this is something that people have been asking for pretty much day one after we did that episode. They're like, okay, ha 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 ha. Now where's the real Pantera episode? Uh, and in typical us fashion, we waited two years to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Scott Bowling says, thank you for the shout out. Great episode. Our good friend, Scott Bowling from down in Atlanta. Bowling. To steal a, bowling. To steal a page. Bowling, 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 bowling. Got a ball. Got a ball. To steal a page out of Toomey's book. Uh, our good friend down in Atlanta. Good company with Scott Bowling. Check him out. He's on YouTube. He has his own podcast now. Scott Bowling's the man. We love him. And you guys are going to love him, too. I will warn you, the show has absolutely nothing to do with the actual bowling. We had a tweet from Chris V, or actually, we got shouted out in a tweet by Chris V. Another oh, great start to the week for podcasts. And here at the bottom, Pantera on Discuss Metal. Hell yeah. Boom. It was definitely a lot of fun. Isaiah Eldridge commented on the Pantera episode on Patreon, no less. We'll tell you all about Patreon later on in the episode. He goes, nice to see you guys bring this back for an official review. I did enjoy the shit show debate episode, though. I never heard people have that funny of a Pantera debate before, but cool to see an official discography overview. And I love reading that. Um, Isaiah is actually one of our newest Patreon subscribers, and so thank you very much for that. Um, but, uh, you know, he I, I love that he came in as a new listener and he listened to both episodes and he gets it. <laughs> Because there were definitely a lot of people that heard that original episode and they did not get it. And uh, hilarity ensued. One, I think one of these days I might do a Patreon episode where I read all of the angry emails I got after that. <laughs> and uh, That'll be an yeah, exclusive. That, that, that'll definitely be an exclusive for the Patreon subscribers. Um, so yeah, all in all, man, I mean, that people people like them some Pantera. And I'm, I'm glad that we were able to uh, deliver an objective conversation about the band. And uh, have a little bit of fun in the process. Joshua Toomey is always great to talk to about any subject you want to talk to. Make sure to check out his podcast, the Talk To Me podcast. And uh, he actually just started another podcast uh, with a co-host uh, named Wadzilla, <laughs> uh, who also used to uh, host the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. 
and um, they are doing a new podcast called Diabolicus in Podcastia, which is obviously a playoff of Diabolus in Musica by Slayer. That's a damn good podcast name. Congratulations. That is, that, I mean, I mean, well done. Well done. Because I feel like if I'd ever suggested that, Joe would have been like, no, we're not doing that. But uh, Toomey can pull it off. So he uh, he definitely pulled it off. So be sure to check out Talk To Me and check out Diabolics in Podcastica. You almost lost it that time. I almost didn't say it right, but, you know, it's fine. 2007, Genesis. It's not exactly the genesis of the band, but it's the official full-length album, Genesis. Is that why it's called Genesis? I'm running out of Genesis puns. I mean, I don't really know why it's called Genesis. Um... <laughs> Other than the fact that it's the first album, I mean, I guess they could have called it Job for a Cowboy 1 or just called it Job for a Cowboy, self-titled. <laughs> uh, they didn't do this. Uh, so Genesis is a very different record from Doom, Where it, whereas Doom was kind of this fun, like, death metal with a little bit of hardcore thrown into it. Genesis strives to be a more straightforward death metal release. So the first thing that you're going to notice immediately is that the vocals are completely different than they were on uh, than they were on Doom. The the Bree Bree Pig vocals are nowhere to be found, and I think for serious death metal fans, that's probably a good thing uh, because a lot of guys that are going to be checking out you know checking out new death metal bands and they start hearing those breeze, they're going to associate that with deathcore, associate that with metalcore, and they're not going to give you the time of day. So what what do you do? You work on your vocals. You come up with a vocal uh, delivery that's a little bit more befitting of the music. And um, what you get with Genesis is a record that is a technical take on death metal. Uh, it is very modern sounding, in at least for 2007. And um, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot for me to say about it other than the fact that it is technical. It's heavy. Uh, the vocals are, are improved. The songwriting is improved. But for whatever reason, Genesis just never really stuck with me uh, like Doom did. Uh, and I think part of that is just because they, it was like they wanted to be taken seriously as a death metal band. So they wrote a death metal record, but it just doesn't, I don't know. I, I feel like it's like very, very musically safe for them. And, and in saying all of that, I'm not in any way trying to say that it isn't a good record. It is a fantastic record in the sense that if you like techie metal with a lot of with a lot of progressions, a lot of chord changes, um, a lot of cool little leads and stuff, it's fantastic for that. It is it is unabashedly what it is. It is a super heavy record, um, all double bass, all screams really no melody at all to speak of and um the songwriting while being techie is a little bit unmemorable so like I, and i think i said when this first record came out is that like job for a cowboy went from being what people would have considered to be a scene band and has become a respectably boring death metal band other than the vocals this one is kind of like a slayer record without the gallop it's all blast beat it's all double bass the riffs are kind of thrashy and they have that 80s, late 70s swing, the da 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 da, but it's job for a cowboy. So it's intense, it has the inconsistent time signatures, but it suffers from the same thing that we talk about all the time. Let's play this riff for three seconds and then stop. Then play this right. riff for three seconds and then stop. It's not memorable. 
and it doesn't really give me any reason to come back to it. Okay, it's heavy, it's intense, I like it, it's job for a cowboy, but it's by no means my favorite record, and it just kind of exists. It was their first full length, great, what else you got? It just suffers from being a record that exists that you can listen to, and uh, you know, throughout its 30-minute brief run <laughs> You said brief. Oh, no, I did say Brie. Oh, man. <laughs> you got me. Uh, you know, it, the best part about it is that it's short. Because for it being 30 minutes, it's more enjoyable because it doesn't go on and on forever. And I think that's what separates it from being, like, a super boring record. It, you know, it, because if it went on for 72 minutes like this, I'd be like, okay, this band has no good ideas. Um, but they keep it short. They keep it to the point, And you will enjoy it the entire 30 minutes you're listening to it but you're not gonna remember anything on it when you're done. <laughs> I look back on this scene and I think sometimes that was the point. This band is going to be insane for 20 minutes and then we're all gonna take a break. And then the next band is gonna be insane for 20 minutes and then we're all gonna take a break. It was like yeah. the burst of energy that came from hardcore punk just made its way into the mainstream scene. And that's fine, but that was never really what I was looking for, so it just didn't appeal to me. I wanted the riffs, I wanted the drive, I wanted the beats, throw some solos in there. The Brie Brie vocals are funny, but it's not what I'm looking for. Definitely not in 2007, but in retrospect, it's there. It was there the whole time, and we were just getting out of emo at that point, so it's gonna get better. Well, the good news is, is that, you know, all that stuff that you just mentioned, well, they, they did all that for us whenever they released uh, Ruination. 2009. Ruination is like Genesis on steroids. I don't know if it's mixed better or what. They're not doing anything necessarily different here, but they've just, and, and this is where, um, this is also where, so something I feel like I need to mention a lot is that this band was always changing members. So as much as I want to say like, oh, they grew as songwriters, it's not necessarily uh, that they that they grew as songwriters as much as they just uh, you know usually get new members for each record. Uh, with the lead singer being kind of the uh, kind of the glue that holds everything together. That's Johnny Davy, their lead singer. He's the only guy that's been in the band since 2003. Is one of the hazards of being in a band like this that you come in, you do your best and then you don't have anything else at the end of the record because you've played all of the intense riffs and changed them every three seconds? Mm. It's entirely possible. Uh, I mean, I think I think with Ruination, what you have is a band that realized that, you know, okay, we did the thing that we wanted to do on Genesis, but we're not making that impact. You know, I think the, the thing that was missing off of Genesis was a song that was distinctly like memorable and i and that's the frustrating thing because doom has that doom has <laughs> knee deep you know knee deep knee deep's one of those songs that you can hear on a shuffle or in a playlist and be all like oh my god who is this band and uh, you genesis, remember it yeah genesis didn't have that um but ruination does so whenever you jump into track one, Unfurling a Darkened Gospel, it it just hits you. I mean, it, it's an all-out assault. You know, a couple of drum, you know, the drum intro, and then bam, you're, you're back into it. But um, much, much better lead guitar work on Ruination, um, much better production, um, and much better 
everything. I mean, even the vocals are are more aggressive. The pace of the songs are more frantic, if that's possible. Um, it sounds more like Doom than than Genesis. I think the frantic riffing is what was missing in Genesis. Genesis was very technically sound, but it needed to be about five beats per minute faster for the riff to hit me exactly the way they were trying to. It was a little bit right. to the left. You turn up that speed just a little bit, now you've got Ruination, and this is what you want when you're listening to this black and death metal. Yeah, and, and that's one big thing, too, is that with the addition of better lead guitar work and even, even much improved vocals, it could just be better vocal production. It's not like he's singing differently than he did on Genesis, but it just sounds more immediate, more frantic. He throws in a lot more of the high-pitched shrieking vocals, and I love that. And I also like that this record is the first record where Job for a Cowboy sounds like a real death metal band you know, re removed from being a quote-unquote scene band. And I understand they, they're not, a, they weren't a scene band in the sense that, you know, they, they had like poppy choruses or choruses at all for that matter. Um, it, it wasn't like that. It was just that a lot of scene kids got into them because of like the whole MySpace thing and, and the breeze and, you know, and, and all of that. But, um, you know, they, they did a really good job of ruination of being like, dude, that's all behind us. That's not who we are. Uh, Job for a Cowboy is going to be a techie death metal band that you're going to enjoy alongside of some of your other favorite technical bands. And they really achieved that on Ruination. Ruination was probably my first favorite Job for a Cowboy record. Uh, that has changed since, but uh, you know, when it came out, I remember picking up Ruination and, and being like, oh man, like this is the real deal. Uh, it's a little bit longer, but it's okay because the songs are better. Uh, there, there's more to enjoy here. Um, some of my favorite tracks, Unfurling a Dark and Gospel, like I said, Butchering the Enlightened, and uh, the title track, Ruination, at the end is just awesome. And uh, this is, you know, if this is the way they're going to be going forward, I'm, I'm, I'm down with it. 2012, Demonocracy. Demonocracy. A word I can say but cannot read, apparently, because I thought this record was named Democracy for like seven years. <laughs> I'm just telling I the love truth, democracy. dude. <laughs> You guys heard Democracy by Job for a Cowboy? It's like Ruination, only it's democratic. And then Dan one that's, day finally said it. Dude, that's not the name of the record. <laughs> it's death metal, man. It, it's death metal, you know? It, it, uh, it has to be Demonocracy. You can't release a death metal record called Democracy. <laughs> Everybody would laugh at you. Like, Democracy, what's that? Um, this record is... Did you like Ruination? Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that. Like, Here's some more, but I'm okay with it. And it actually, again, I, I hate to keep saying this, but like, it, it really harkens back to Doom a lot too. Like, it's like if you took if you took Ruination and Doom and and put them in a blender, you get Demonocracy. Uh, the biggest difference is is that this record in, introduces something into their technical death metal sound that I was not expecting. Some some actual groove, some actual melody, which is something that this band is not really um, great at doing yet. They're going to get really great at it on the next record, but on this one, uh, they're still trying to figure it out. They are like any other band where they're looking down into their grab bag of tricks and thinking, 
okay, we did this, we did this, we did that. Okay, now how how do we carve out an actual sound that's not just in a, an amalgamation of what we've done before? And with that, you know, you get songs like the Manipulation Stream, which is probably my favorite song on this record. And it's because it is, it's the same riffing, it's the same type of pace that you've come to expect from Job for a Cowboy, but there's all of this melodic lead work going on and it adds so much to their sound but like they did it right they just added melody into their sound they didn't like start playing melodic death metal riffs you know they, they weren't like okay uh we would need to be more melodic so we need to sound more like at the gates they don't sound like at the gates or in flames or or early carcass they sound like job for a cowboy with some melody thrown in and it's it's done so simply but done so well this is the first time that the band sounds like they're constructing riffs to create an extreme death metal song it just happens to be job for a cowboy that's doing it you're not getting an onslaught of Bree Bree, but it's still there. And the randomness that's in the music is gone. And now I'm getting more of a constructed song. And I appreciate that. Totally. I think this is their best songwriting to date, at least by in 2012. You know, this is a great, I mean, this is, this is prime cut stuff. And usually whenever somebody asks me, like, hey, I want to check out Job for a Cowboy. What, I listen to, what should I listen to? And I'm like, well, if you're a fan of, like, hardcore or deathcore stuff, just listen to Doom. Because none of their other stuff sounds like that. Um, but I usually will tell people to start with Ruination if they're just, like, a general death metal fan. General death metal reporting for duty. <laughs> um, but, yeah, if, you're just, if you just like death metal... I would I would always recommend starting with Ruination on because that's when the band is actually starting to sound like a mature outfit, like they really know what they're doing. And um, you just you can't beat tracks like Tarnished Gluttony, like it's one of their more epic songs. And um, that, that I feel like that's what this band needs to succeed is epic and memorable songs. And they just happen to be a band that only started doing that on their third record, you know? And, um, I said, ruination was fantastic. You know, I love that record, but, um, demonocracy that I feel like going into it, the goal was how do we be memorable? It's, it's like literally the one thing that they had struggled with throughout their careers. How do we get people to remember our songs after we're done? They're done listening to it without having to sacrifice our technicality. And the answer is slow down sometimes. Um, Add a little bit of groove. Add a little bit of melody. Let the music breathe. Every 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 second of riffage doesn't have to be accompanied by a gravity blast, you know. And they they largely succeed in this on Demonocracy. And it's it's really. I mean, this is a record where you know I I'm not ashamed at all to tell people like, oh yeah, I want to hear a good de- uh, a good death metal record. Oh well, have you checked out Demonocracy by Job for a Cowboy? Um, and you know I'll say that, and then they'll immediately be like, isn't that the SpongeBob band? So, you know, I feel like even this late into their career, they were still trying to live the image down that they had kind of created on Doom. And so they're definitely a band that I don't think gets a fair shake because people just remember all of that stuff. They remember the Brie vocals. They remember the SpongeBob stuff. Some people consider them responsible for the uh, oversaturation of Deathcore. And I, I think a lot of that is unfair whenever they're writing records that are this good. In our modern society of social media and memes, you really can't blame the artist for what the fans do because they think it's entertaining. 
there is a large quantity of people that know about Job for a Cowboy because somebody thought it would be funny to cut up an episode of SpongeBob and put Knee Deep over it. It was probably an art project or like a college video editing animation thing. Who knows? Who cares? It's entertaining as hell. Showbread got the same shit for their song being used on a mashup of Evil Dead. They didn't have anything to do with that, but a lot of people know them for that and then held them to that expectation. Job for a Cowboy, they just tried to be as heavy as fucking possible, and this is the first time that they back off a little bit and take advantage of the old songwriting trope of, in order for it to be fast, it has to be next to something slow. And if you're this good of a player, which I know their new guitarist, I cannot remember his name on this record, he's definitely a player. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And that's, uh, sorry, I can't pronounce the dude's last name. It's like all consonants. <laughs> I think you're talking about their lead guitarist, uh, Tony Sanicandro. I probably butchered that. I apologize. Uh, but uh, he was the lead guitar player uh, on this record, and uh, his contribution is uh, very noticeable. This record is almost an Opeth-balanced record. Totally. Like, it's constructed that well that you can actually sit down and listen to it and come back to it and know which songs are which instead of just Onslaught of Insanity, which we like. But sometimes... I want to hear a fucking awesome metal riff or a fucking metal solo and hear it played well, not just fast. Right. And I can't believe we're all the way to Sun Eater, uh, but, you know, Job for a Cowboy is one of those bands where pretty much most of what they put out has been completely rock solid. So um, typically our episodes tend to be longer when uh, we have a lot more to complain about, but there's really not a lot to complain about with Job for a Cowboy. <laughs> 2014. So Sun Eater, you remember everything we said about Demonocracy, about how it was more melodic, and, you know, the music was, was much more uh, diverse, more layered? Sun Eater, even more so. At this point, I'm going to even throw the word progressive out there. They're trying really hard and it's paying off it's paying off in droves it's really fucking this is, good this is without a doubt my favorite job for a cowboy record uh, out of everything that they've put out because you guys all know me you know i'm really really into techie progressive death metal and job for a cowboy has come such a long way from 2005 you know this record's 2014 so nine years later they've gone from being a band that did piggy squeal squeal vocals you know over some over some heavy riffs to now being a full-on progressive death metal outfit i mean well done <laughs> congratulations um the the song that is worth the price of admission on this album is the song the synthetic sea as it features guest vocals from one george corpse grinder fisher oh fuck so you know that's that's called pulling out all the stops kids that's called we feel validated because it's got Corpse Grinder on it. Not totally. that they didn't feel validated before. I mean, that's bullshit. I'm not in the band. I don't know those guys, but Corpse Grinder's on the record, guys. Come on. It's funny to me because I feel like the base of their sound is, you know, still rooted in that Genesis sound that they had. Like, that, that band is still there, but on top of it, you've got 
you know, more black metal influences. That's one one thing that really stands out on this record is this is the first one that I would say like is like blackened death metal a little bit. Um, it's got a little bit more of that like black metal tremolo picking going on, you know, um, and especially with the vocals, there's a lot of like higher pitch shrieks mixed in with the deeper grunt. Um, so it's their first like what I would consider to be not a pure death metal release. Um, and again, that that contrast makes it sound cool. It's it's very textured. Um, the production quality is very um, very out there. Like it's not it's not as cold and calculated as their previous releases have been. Because I feel like everybody wants you to have a really sterile sound when you're playing technical. Um, but I think the secret for this is that you know they definitely actually establish a real atmosphere on this, which is something that they haven't ever done. And um, I like the melody. I, I also love the bass tone on this record. Huh. Oh, my God. People used to joke that, you know, your band be instantly became progressive death metal when you can hear the bass. <laughs> and um, Would you like another sounds... example of that being true? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> you know, they killed it. And, um, again, it's not the most technical band I've ever heard. Like, this is, this is nothing compared to stuff like Obscure or Gorguts, Gore but it's... It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he's not, they're not quite there yet, but their heart's really in the right place. Somewhere out you know? there, Job for a Cowboy is your favorite band. And totally. you are either pissed off because Sun Eater was basically a progressive death metal record, or you're the guy that's like, guys, it's not just about knee deep. It actually gets like really good, but not like Genesis wasn't really good or Demonocracy was not really good. I mean, like, the band just goes and goes and goes, and they end up becoming Opeth. And isn't that your goal if you're playing black and death metal? Well, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily put them on the same level as Opeth, but... Um, they're headed in that direction. If we get are. another record, that's where they're going to be, unless they decide to go full knee-deep. Well, what I was, what I really liked was the song "The Stone Cross," which actually starts off with like a thrash riff. Wasn't expecting that at all, and am totally happy that they did that. Um, they continue their trend lately of throwing a super epic track on as the final song. Uh, epic for job for a cowboy, which usually averages out to be like five or six minutes. <laughs> uh, but uh, "Worming Nightfall" um, is is another kind of cool, dirgy, epic track. And uh, this band just knows how to write great albums. And they again, I just I can't stress enough how far they've come as a band in just nine years. That's that this type of transformation is not something that we usually see on the show. Most bands, spoilers, that we talk about on this show start off and their first three or four records are usually genre defining titans, and then they kind of just progressively slide down into a hill in, into a pit of mediocrity by the end. Um, and Job for a Cowboy is one of the few bands that I can count on my hand that that are the exact inverse of that rule. Their early stuff was okay. I mean, it was fine. It got the job done. They were never were bad. But I appreciate the forward thinking that went into these newer records, where every record they were like not satisfied with what they had done on the last record, and they're all they always pushed forward to do more stuff. But unfortunately, after Sun Eater six years ago, that was kind of it for Job for a Cowboy, and they really just kind of I mean, it just kind of stopped. Every, everything that I've looked at with this band looked up is that they are currently on a hiatus. Um, but in 2019, um, 
they are working on a legitimate comeback and a new EP and some shows. Um, that's if coronavirus doesn't, you know, put a stop to all that. But yeah, like so, in 20, as of 2019, they are working on something. And um, if this last album was anything to go off of, I'm I'm gonna be there day one to check it out. Final thoughts on Job for a Cowboy, Dan. Well, I mean, I think I've said it all before uh, in this episode, but I'll try to condense it down into a couple of sentences here. Um, Job for a Cowboy is one of the best examples of a band that embodies growth. They are never satisfied with the record that they put out last, and they're always pushing forward to get better. And as a music fan, I'm always surprised with whatever I get from them. And um, if you're if you're not, I mean, if you're on the fence about Job for a Cowboy because I don't know, they're called Job for a Cowboy, and you know, they're a band that you know kids, you know, with uh, with with dyed pink tips, you know, told you to listen to back in 2005 when you were buying a shirt for your girlfriend at Hot Topic, you know. Um, or if the only time you've ever heard them is on the on a SpongeBob YouTube video uh, that is still up for some reason, and is definitely linked uh, in the all show these notes years later. And yeah, it will be linked if you if you have no idea what we're talking about, we will educate you on that. Um, but I mean, if if you have reservations, don't have them. Job for a Cowboy was never a joke, and they continue to put out music that is no joke. It is awesome, and they just get better and better. So, I mean, yeah, you need to check out Job for a Cowboy, no matter how you felt about them in the past. Give them at least that one more chance. I think Job for a Cowboy is a band that many of us consider a meme. In the back of your mind, you're thinking of that band who you saw or you heard that one time that did that thing that kind of made you laugh, but you kept listening to the band. When your reputation is bringing the Brie Brie vocals into the mainstream and causing a revolution of deathcore to invade the mainstream and truly eliminate that which is emo from our ear canals. But when you listen to the records, it doesn't just sound like that. It keeps getting better. And I think Job for a Cowboy is a band that has gotten better every single time they put out a new record. So if you're a fan of death metal, you're a fan of thrash, you should be listening to Job for a Cowboy. Dan, what's your album of the week? Well, I actually just had a, uh, a pretty long conversation with uh, Luke Easter, formerly of Tourniquet. So my album of the week has been, uh, you guys can look out for that soon, but it's Vanishing Lessons by Tourniquet. For me, it's Wage War Pressure. And if you want to know what I really think about that record, subscribe to Patreon for $1. You'll get access to that exclusive album review feed. Take us out, DFT. Have you ever been listening to this podcast and thought to yourself, man, why are they talking about Job for a Cowboy? That band is a meme. They're talking about Pantera again. I have good bands. I have good suggestions. Bands I know that these guys are going to love to talk about or hate to talk about. Uh, there's so many ways you can reach out to us and let us know what those are. We love getting your guys' band suggestions. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can reach out to us on Instagram under discography discussion. You can talk to us on Twitter at discuss metal. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can talk to us on Discord. There will be a link in the show notes that will take you right to our Discord server where people are chatting 24-7 from all over the world. We love that server. We love talking to you guys on there. 
But uh, if you don't feel like doing all that stuff, it's just as easy as clicking the link in the show notes that will send you to a band suggestion page. And it will literally let you fill out whatever band you want and it will send it straight to us. So, uh, I mean, you guys have ways to reach out. If you don't want to suggest a band, reach out and say hi. We love it when people stop by and say hi to us. And on that note, this has been episode 160 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please, send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Hey, Joe, can I have some money? You want to buy a t-shirt? 